Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Election College, episode 250, James Garfield, part one. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben, you talk about a presidential library or historic site that gets a lot of attention because they're pretty much rock stars are those people who work for the James Garfield site, because let's face it, he wasn't president very long and they've got a lot of stuff to say to, you know, keep the, the legacy alive. So I think it's the first time I've ever given a shout out to somebody before talking about the guy. Nice. But anyway, James Garfield, he, uh, wow, he wasn't president very long. We'll get into that more in the next episode, but he was the president and he was born. He was the youngest of five kids in November of 1831. And well, if you're a Republican and it's the 1800s, you got to be born in a log cabin. I mean, if you're going to be effective, right? Absolutely. So he was born there in Orange Township, which is Moreland Hills, Ohio. And, um, you know, this is only a few decades after that area of Ohio was no longer part of Connecticut. It's called the Western Reserve. So if you've ever wondered why Case Western Reserve University is called that, it's because it was part of Ohio that was actually part of Connecticut. So everybody just about in that area, if you're a non-Native American, has family from Connecticut or somewhere in New England. And that was the case with James Garfield. So his dad was living in New England and he goes out to Ohio to woo his childhood sweetheart. And he goes out to Ohio and he discovers, whoops, oh man, she's married. Yeah, (laughs) he should have checked the Facebook status. I guess he didn't do that. Uh, So he didn't do that. Um, he went on, if you can't marry the girl, um, marry her sister. And that's exactly what he did. I wonder how quickly that transaction happened, you know, where he's like, Hey, okay, going out to get my girl. Oh, she's married. Hmm. Well, I, I already came this far. Why not just marry her sister? Or was it like, you know, a couple of years later they got to know each other and well, knowing the time it was probably, he went out there and he was like, oh, I'll just settle for Eliza. Why not? And then I wonder, like, how did Eliza feel about that? <laughs> like, knowing that oh, like, oh, he wanted my sister, but eh, I guess I'll have to do for him. Anyway. Oh, goodness. You know, we mentioned um, sounding like a 1950s pop song. Mm-hmm. I don't think there were any that were that creepy. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully she wasn't a minor. 
True. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Uh, so in 1833, Abram and Eliza, who Abram is, um, you know, James's dad and Eliza's his mom, they join the Church of Christ. And this is really kind of a big um, piece of James Garfield's life, as we'll come to see later. And he had kind of a mixed religious upbringing, but um, his father ends up dying later that year. And Eliza is a strong woman and she ends up raising him. Uh, they were in poverty and uh, everything, but she ends up raising him by herself. And James was, you know, they say you shouldn't have a favorite child. Well, she had a favorite child and uh, it was James and they were really close and uh, really um, uh, got along very well. So uh, in 1842, Eliza's like, you know what? I think maybe I'll get remarried, but it doesn't work out. Um, she ends up leaving him uh, shortly after that. And then they end up actually getting a divorce um, a while after that as well. So, uh, you know, lots of crazy stuff for this time. You could tell Eliza was um, a thinker on her own as well. So part of why that's important is because all the way growing up, James is mocked by a lot of the the boys in his class and the people he grew up with um, because he's poor and because he doesn't have a dad and because his mom's divorced and things like that. So he really takes uh, that to heart and is, you know, incredibly sensitive to being mocked and things like that. Uh, and probably mostly because of those interactions he had as a, as a pretty young kid. Yeah. So in 1847, he's 16 years old and he leaves home. He goes over to Cleveland and he's looking for a job and he gets rejected by the only ship in port. And he instead finds work on a canal boat and he manages the mules that pull the boat. Yeah, it's crazy. The whole Erie Canal thing. Yeah. If we were an election podcast, I'd say let's do a series on that. <laughs> but we, we're not. Someday. Yeah. So, so he gets sick after six weeks of working there. And he is recuperating and his mom and a local education official got him to promise to not go back to the canals for at least a year and go to school. So he begins going to seminary in 1848 there in the Western Reserve part of Ohio. And he says about this time of his life, that quote, I lament that I was born into poverty and into this chaos of childhood. 17 years passed before I caught any inspiration. A precious 17 years when a boy with a father and some wealth might have become fixed in manly ways. So you can tell this had quite the impression on him where, yeah, he's poor and he's, he's just not got a lot of the benefits of his peers at this point. So in 1848, he goes to Giaga Academy, and he's there for a couple of years. And while he's there, he really starts to study some of the things he hadn't really had either the chance to or just not had time to in the past. And uh, he was really interested in uh, languages and the power of speech. And it's at this time where he really kind of understands that wow, okay, if you're a good speaker, that means you have some sway over people, and it really you know, can boost you up in society. And uh, he says, 
speaking the speaker's platform quote creates some excitement i love agitation and investigation and glory in defending unpopular truth against popular error so uh he liked to debate i guess you could say uh there at the school there uh they, they were co-ed and so there were males and females there and garfield kind of you know takes a liking to this girl named Lucretia and they end up getting married later. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, while he is there at the Giaga Academy, uh, he starts working as not only a teacher, but also as an assistant to a carpenter. And he really kind of doesn't like the whole teaching thing because he knows that you're going to have to go from place to place to place and town to town. And a lot of times the teachers would travel from town to town year to year uh, to be able to find jobs and teach kids and things like that. So he um, really just would have preferred to, to stay put. Yeah. So all the while he's going to church because he wants to please mom. And in his late teens, he undergoes a religious awakening and he's at a camp meeting and, you know, camp meetings were really big in the 1800s. And this is where, you know, maybe a traveling evangelist would come to town and uh, many people would be convicted of their sin and they would repent. And that happened uh, to James Garfield. He uh, claims to be born again in 1850. He gets baptized into the Disciples of Christ or the Church of Christ. And he is baptized not in a warm, heated church. He's baptized in the icy waters of the chagrin river can you imagine that would be cool that's like the polar bear plunge yeah you know yeah we do that around this area i don't know but some people do from 1851 to 1854 he goes over to the western reserve eclectic institute which is now called hiram college in hiram ohio and it's a church of christ disciples of christ uh, affiliated school at that time And while he's there, he becomes very interested in studying Greek and Latin, and he is working as a janitor. He sees Lucretia, and he woos her. He's like, hey, I know some Greek. And she's like, hey, that's pretty awesome. In 1854, he's like, I've learned everything I possibly could at the Eclectic Institute. I'm going to head over to Williams College in Williamstown, Massachusetts. They give him status as a third-year student because he gets credit for his time there in Ohio, and he is quite impressed with Mark Hopkins, who is the college president. And he said of Hopkins that, man, this guy could teach if he were on one end of a log and a student were on the other end of the log. Well, that student has gone to college. They're well-educated. So pretty high marks for Mr. Hopkins. So after his first term, he gets hired to teach penmanship to the students of Pownell, Vermont, uh, where the predecessor to him was Chester A. Arthur. That's a guy that comes up later on. Yeah, that's a bit of a coincidence. So he ends up graduating from Williams in 1856 as the salutatorian, and he actually gives an address at commencement. Uh, so, you know, he had a lot of respect of different students and different people in social backgrounds at this point, And they also know he's smart and a hard worker. So he ends up going back to Ohio. He gets 
a lot of recognition there because he has a degree from a school that's kind of far away. And he goes back to Hiram to teach at the school where he had gone previously. And 1857 comes along and they're like, you know what? You're a pretty smart guy. Why don't we just make you the president? And he's like, sure, I'll be the president. So he didn't really see this as his lifelong goal, but he was very interested in it for the time being. And he starts to get really kind of politically involved and aware. And a lot of it is driven by the the fact that that school has a, an atmosphere that's very much against slavery. And he starts to think that maybe this would be a good career for him to go down into politics. Um, a few years later, he gets uh, married to Lucretia. They end up uh, having seven children, five of them uh, make it past infancy. And then he's like, you know what? I thought I wanted to do um, teaching at first, and I thought I wanted to be a, a woodworker, and then I kind of thought I would go into politics. So you know what? You know what I always say? Every good president uh, that's going to be around needs to one time study law. So that's exactly what he does. He <laughs> puts his name in to read law at um, at a place, a firm out of Cleveland, and then he gets admitted to the bar in 1861. So there you go. Uh, full circle. Yeah. And all the while the Republican party leaders are, are looking at Garfield and saying, Hey, you need to enter politics. You see this guy named Cyrus princess. He was going to be the nominee for the local state Senate seat and he's dead. So come on, James Garfield, be our man. And he gets on the ballot and he's elected. He serves in this role as a state senator until 1861, and his big thing, his big deal as a state senator was a bill that provided for Ohio's first geological survey to measure its mineral resources. It failed, but hey, now you know. <laughs> 1861, pretty big year, right? Definitely. Lincoln gets elected president. Southern states decide, hey... I want to leave the union and the governor of Ohio, William Dennison says, Mr. James Garfield, would you please not join the military? Because I want you to do some things in the legislature. And he does. He helps appropriate some funds to raise and equip Ohio's volunteer regiments. After that happens, then Garfield takes a commission as a colonel in the 42nd Ohio Infantry Regiment. Now, this regiment was not actually a real regiment. It just kind of <laughs> existed uh, on paper, as it were. And Garfield was charged to staff it and get it up and going. So he does. And he recruits many of his neighbors as well as former students. And the regiment travels up to Camp Chase, which is outside of Columbus, Ohio, to complete their training. And in December of 1861, Garfield was ordered to bring the 42nd over to Kentucky, where they join up with the Army of Ohio. So they're hanging out there in Kentucky. They're getting rid of the Confederates. And long story short, he keeps moving up in the ranks, he gets a promotion, and he gets command of the 20th Brigade of the Army of the Ohio. And in 1862, they send him over to join U.S. Grant as they go towards Mississippi. And 
well, it's a whole thing, but basically Garfield gets word of some battles that are happening and kind of saves the day, I guess you could say, uh, pushes the Confederates back and uh, pushes them back into retreat. And that becomes known later as the Battle of Shiloh, which, you know, is one of the biggest, bloodiest wars in the Civil War or battles in the Civil War. You know what I mean? And uh, Garfield, you know, he is right in the line of fire for a lot of the day. He's there uh, commanding his troops, but he doesn't sustain any injuries. That summer, he ends up, you know, having a lot of other issues. He gets jaundice. He has a lot of weight loss, and he ends up having to go back home and be nursed back to health, essentially. And while he's there, all his friends come over, and they're like, hey, uh, so we know you're sick and all, but do you want to maybe run for Congress and maybe be the Republican nominee? That'd be cool. And um, he was like, no, I really don't want to do that right now. I'm more interested in the military. So he goes back on duty uh, and goes to Washington to await basically his next assignment. And there's a time period there where he's in Washington and he may or may not have had uh, an affair. And of course, you know, Lucretia is not really happy about this, but she figures, well, what else am I going to do? And chooses to overlook it. Um, Basically, not paying attention to the rumors that are there. Uh, But it does cause some ripple effects, of course. So uh, he kept getting all these assignments, and then they kept getting withdrawn, and he was really irritated with that. So while he's there as well, he ends up serving uh, on a court-martial for Fitz John Porter. And Fitz John Porter was late, basically, to the Second Battle of Bull Run. And he says, yeah, uh, he was guilty and everybody else thought he was guilty. So they choose to convict him. And at the end of this trial, which lasts a couple months, uh, he ends up with an assignment as the chief of staff to Major General William S. Rosencrantz. Yeah. So being in that position of Rosencrantz chief of staff, that's a pretty big deal. And he gets into a lot of conversations uh, with the good general about religion and worldviews, things like that. Interestingly enough, Rosecrans had converted from Methodism to Roman Catholicism, and that had an impression on Garfield because Garfield was pretty staunch in his uh, Church of Christ upbringing. But, uh, you know, we get older and, and we hear different views, and that's all good. But... Um, so, Ben, we, we are not a Civil War podcast. We always have to mention that, right? Yeah. Because the Civil War buffs will come after us. And rightfully so, because we're not extremely well-researched in this. But uh, Garfield becomes the chief of staff for General Rosecrans. And this is a pretty big deal because, you know, they head down to Tennessee, down to Chattanooga. And there is some intense fighting going on down there. Lots of... Lots of regiments converged there at the Battle of Chickamauga in 1863. And what ends up happening is Garfield heads across Missionary Ridge to survey the scene of what was going on. And Garfield was right about where the Confederates were and where they should be. And this ride becomes legendary. 
uh, Rosecrans basically messes up. His leadership skills are questioned and Garfield comes out looking like a gem because he pretty much saves the Union Army at this point. By the way, Ben, if you ever have a chance to go to Chattanooga, do uh, yeah take advantage of Lookout Mountain and some of the uh, cool things that are up there. And the day I went, it was very foggy, so you couldn't see the overlook, but nice. it's pretty cool. They have a cool incline cool. there, too. I'm a sucker for an incline. Yeah. Yeah. So because of this, <laughs> are you laughing at my at me saying that? I'm a sucker for an incline. That's funny. So because of this, uh, Grant ends up replacing Rosecrans with George H. Thomas, and Garfield goes back to Washington. He gets promoted to being a major general, and uh, he keeps that seat until, well, the things that's coming up in the next episodes. Yeah, so if you ever have heard of a good general, um, you know, people follow good generals and people give them good reviews and ratings on iTunes. That's right. How'd you like that for a segue? I loved it. So just in case you didn't know, I happen to be a colonel. And my cousin Ben over here, he happens to be a mayor. So your honor, give him the honor that he's due. And, you know, being a colonel is pretty cool. We like fried chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... You can head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. We would certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. And we would also love to have your interaction, um, well, pretty much all the time, but through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever floats your boats. Yeah. We'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.